welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Mash. Alright, welcome to another episode. Uh, I am Chris Pullman. I'm Gloria Ackerman. And joining us this week we have... I'm Dr. Candace Ackerman. I'm a licensed psychologist. So, Candy is my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Right. I sorry. I have to actually think about that one because I have people who are like step steps in laws. Yes. Yeah. So I. But, my daughter-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Very proud. Yeah. So yeah, Candy and her husband Ben uh, came up this weekend for uh, my daughter's baptism. So we dragged her into this podcast. Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> and they're here from Austin, Texas. So, yeah. Um, Candy has uh, a podcast that she does. We'll definitely bring that up at the end before we go. Mm-hmm. So that if you're interested, yeah, uh, we can talk about that. But because we have Candy here, um, I thought being a mental health professional, who, who better to talk about in terms of a 10 cent origin for a character than Dr. Sidney, Fre- Sidney Friedman? who, um, he's a major, he's a recurring character, we see him pretty on in the series, and then he's in the last episode of the series, and, uh, he's a psychiatrist, played by Alan Arbus, uh, Gloria? Um, he's called in a lot for Hawkeye, um, just to look at all, he's also called in a lot for Klinger, so (laughs) those are the two main characters that he sees, he sees everyone, but... Um, yeah, and um, just want to mention also that um, Candy's not a regular mass, MASH watcher, right. so yep. we're going to try I'm a newbie. To, newbie. She's a newbie, <laughs> so she watched her first two episodes tonight. Yeah. She's our, our MASH newbie, so... Um, yeah, and, you know, that's another thing, is we, we'd like to get guest uh, people in so that we can get kind of other perspectives mm-hmm. on things, because a lot, you know, just between the two of uh, us we oftentimes see things in episodes that the other doesn't so mm-hmm. you know and you uh you work with or you worked with do you yes. still work with i the? still work with veterans yes okay. so i work with them in a lesser capacity but um most of my training um i did with the department of veterans affairs um so i spent a lot a lot of time working mm-hmm. with veterans um and i love love working with them they're very very special to my heart mm-hmm. um so um i still work with them just not as frequently sure you know, i hear that a lot with people who mm-hmm. work with vets mm-hmm. you know um my best friend his wife is an x-ray tech at the va in madison mm-hmm. and yeah she says she just loved yeah. it. She couldn't give it up. They're There's, great people. Yeah, it's just nothing nothing like it because yeah. you, you, when you meet people that are willing to sacrifice their own life for freedom and liberty of the country, mm-hmm. it just it has your top level of respect, Yeah. in my opinion. No, so. absolutely. Yeah, I hear you. And, um, but yeah, as far as our uh, Tencent origin, Dr. Sidney Friedman, um, he does come on the show a lot uh his first appearance uh i'm kind of going off of the wiki which again once i revamp the website i'll have that link up there but he first visited the camp when we see Klinger trying to get out on a section eight on a psycho and uh sydney freeman decides well i'm not gonna declare you insane but i will declare that you're a transvestite Ooh. and 
Just remember, this Which will be back on... in the in that time <laughs> yeah. was right. an issue, yeah. right? and enough to get you a discharge. A discharge. And mm -hmm. I think his line is something like, um, "It'll get you home, but it'll be on your record forever that you like wearing dresses." And Klinger's response is, "I ain't none of those things. I'm just crazy." Mm -hmm. But you know, Sydney comes back a lot. He plays poker with the guys a lot, um, and. Definitely in the later half of the series, we see Hawkeye having a lot of breakdowns. And so we get to see uh, Sydney a lot. But then there are also times when Sydney, there's at least one where Sydney comes to the 4077th. And it is, it must be in. The burning episode? Well, that one too. Yeah. Uh, when Henry Morgan comes in and uh, Colonel Potter at the time, because he's there by then, is having. Well, it's the fact that him and Hawkeye worked on a patient, on two different patients that had the same wounds, and Hawkeye's patient didn't need more treatment, but his Colonel team. Potter's did, and so he felt like he was losing touch, and he started losing his confidence, and um, that was after Frank had left, but then he brings in Sydney for, for that. And, and another time, Sydney came to MASH for his own self and yeah. his own sanity, and, and ended up... <laughs> actually starting a huge bond well he didn't start no. it but he said let it go and yeah. that the one you're thinking of is actually the colonel potter episode oh it is it is because yeah like uh colonel potter comes into the swamp at one point and tears the guys apart and then another time they're they're tearing the tent apart and he's just like i don't think that should be over there sydney can i see you in my tent and yeah it's just a big steam let off and so they end up making this huge bonfire of like enemy clothes and stuff and, and sometimes don't we all have issues where we just mm -hmm. need to throw everything on yeah and let it burn yeah and, and yeah but you know the 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 other episode where he comes to mash it's a very interesting one because he comes there to restore his sanity and he's actually while he's there he's writing a letter to sigmund freud Oh, yes. Yep, I do remember. Yep. <laughs> Which, um, then, uh, BJ is there by that point, so it's somewhere in season four or five, because then Frank leaves after that point, but, um, and he's still there, but Hawkeye and, Hawkeye and BJ find his journal where he's writing this, and they, um, Sigmund, uh, Sydney comes back in, and they're like, I don't know, Sydney. Writing a letter to Sigmund Freud, isn't that a little crazy? <laughs> that is a private letter. <laughs> but, you know, he's writing to Sigmund Freud, and he uh, said, for some reason, they have this abundance of health. One minute they these surgeons can be in somebody's guts, and the next minute they're mm -hmm. just living it up. And in that episode, it was uh, BJ who was pulling all these pranks. Like, one... Frank had dug an air raid shelter right outside oh. the swamp, mm -hmm. and uh, BJ filled it up with water. <laughs> and Sydney's like, you're the practical joker? Yeah, want to help? Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> as, yell, as loud as you can, yell, air raid, because Frank was inside the tent sleeping. <laughs> okay, so he yells, air raid, Frank runs out of the tent, trips over the tent line, and takes a head dive right into the... <laughs> into the air right slit trench and he's paddling around and but yeah Sidney Friedman is that 
so he he's a great character because he he does come around and helps um, when it's needed in the camp. But then one thing that I really like about him is in my mind he helps to kind of bookend the series because uh, one of his first appearances in the show he comes in and before he leaves he tells all the staff that ladies and gentlemen take my advice pull down your pants and slide on the ice and then in the last episode uh, just before the ceasefire he says the same thing to them they actually pull him into surgery um, which he's like I haven't had any surgery experience since I lanced a boil on my son's tuchus <laughs> but they pull him in because they're so short handed and he's a doctor I guess <laughs> <laughs> yep. have you had surgical experience? <laughs> well I mean that's, that's the difference between um, a psychiatrist and a psychologist Okay. so psychiatrists are trained as medical doctors really? yes I did not know that they have just the same training as physicians do. It's just their specialty is in prescribing psychotropic drugs. Oh. So psychologists, on the other hand, so I have a PhD. Yeah. I am not medically trained at all. I have okay. had people, because I do work in hospitals, I yeah. have had people walk in and they think I'm a doctor physician. Yeah. Because I'm wearing a white coat. And sure. I had <laughs> one lady ask me one time, she's like, are you here to remove my stitches? And I, <laughs> I said, I can try, but I don't think I'll do a very good job. <laughs> I don't think you want that. So, but yeah, that's part of the difference that's between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Okay. I did not know that. So yeah. he would have actually had surgical training. Probably at least a rotation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes it a, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they actually pull him into surgery. <laughs> it's not the only time, but it's one of the, it's the last <laughs> time that they do and uh yeah and then before he leaves he has the same advice you know take my advice pull down your pants and slide on the ice and it's one of those that just kind of helps bring the whole show to full circle full circle yeah so i really love sydney sydney he's um yeah the goodbye farewell and amen finale appearance i'm just scrolling through the wiki <laughs> He's very relatable. Yes, he is. You know, he's a very down-to-earth character. Wow. Uh, that's, that's, actually, that's actually surprising for me to yeah. hear that as doing what I do, because most of the time, mental health professionals on TV shows and media are portrayed as kind of weirdos that oh. I can't really yeah. relate to, yeah. and yeah. they do really unethical stuff. So yeah. that, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. No, he, you know, like I say, he comes to MASH, he plays, um, I mean, he's actually a lot less weird than the normal staff <laughs> at the 477 because like he'll come to conferences i'm making air quotes mm -hmm. um to play poker uh -huh. yeah he'll play with the guys and he sits back and listens and he watches but without a pad and paper mm -hmm. yeah right the yeah. traditional Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even uh, you know psychologists in the military in the mm -hmm. army when they're on active duty they do yeah. the same because you need to be approachable, mm -hmm. otherwise no one's going to tell you when they're struggling. Yeah, the the one episode that is kind of hard to watch with Sydney. Um, one thing that they at least talk about in the show, and I'm not sure if they actually did this during the Korean War, but their idea was to try and get people who were having you know, like shell shock, which is the term that they used mm -hmm. there. But, you know, PTSD. People who were dealing with that over that and back to the field because they felt that if they got them back as soon as they could, 
and kind of help them work through that, then they would be better off. It, kind of like healing the wound. Mm -hmm. um, back on the bike. Back on the bike. Mm -hmm. And we actually see that in one episode where Sydney was in, I was at the front uh, doing a trench visit, so to speak, Ow. with a soldier. Yeah. And then the line gets hit. Mm -hmm. And so Sydney ends up being a casualty at the 4 double seventh. Mm -hmm. And the soldier is the nicest person with all the doctors, except when Sydney comes up. Then he is just mm -hmm acid and visceral hate and he just blows up at Sydney every time but as soon as Sydney goes away it's fine peaches mm -hmm. and cream mm -hmm. and um you know Sydney makes the comment there he explains that whole theory of getting them back to the front but then he also says you know that's the unfortunate part about my line of work is you doctors get to see when your patient is healed and you know what's wrong I can't. Mm -hmm. So we do our best. Right. That sort of thing. Right. And more. I'm sure you see more than of the end result. Yeah. Because you work longer term. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's still difficult, though, too, at times. So um, I used to work for a VA hospital near Fort Hood um, in Colleen, Texas, which, if you're not familiar, has a lot of history. And there were multiple um, shootings there. In the past couple of years and um, it's difficult because even though many of my clients are out of the military they still live in Colleen or they still mm -hmm. live right near Fort Hood and there are artillery going off there's oh. so the bomb range there's everything so it's like they never really get to leave Ooh. those or get over those symptoms so yeah. it, it takes a lot of effort on their part and sometimes it just ends up being I need to leave because yeah. this is never going to get resolved because I'm around all that all the time. Sure. But if your family grew up there and that's where your kids went to school. That would be hard to mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. leave. Right. Yeah. So it's like in this case in the military we do a lot of brief interventions just to mm -hmm. try to get them through yeah. whatever it is but and, and some are actually experimenting with doing treatment in the field. Um, but I would imagine as a psychologist, it's a lot more difficult to treat when they're constantly going back to the environment every yeah. day. Yeah. And that's, I think that would have been hard, especially then. Um, in one of the episodes, we see a doctor who had been in the uh, Inchon perimeter, which was early in the war. Then North Koreans stalemated with the South Koreans and then the Chinese came in the conflict and they they pushed the United Nations South Korean line back to a pocket around Seoul and they were literally like doing surgery on a jeep while Sorry. retreating mm -hmm. and this guy just he couldn't handle it oh. you know it just it, he finally had mm -hmm. enough and it was at MASH and we saw that and yeah. yeah, it was being back in that environment. He had been out, but then they needed help, so they called him back, and it just... Right. It was too much to be back in that just situation. Just curious, do you see a lot of um, clients that maybe thought they were over things oh, yes. and have things that came <laughs> back years later? Actually, what tended to happen is... Um, so the military and the VA, um, well, especially the military, the culture there is to downplay mental health symptoms. Mm. They, it's 
they there is an attitude out there that it's all in your head mm-hmm. you just need to suck it up and get back in the field and be a man yeah be a man <laughs> get over it and mm. just move on because this isn't that big of a deal even though you're shooting people and yeah. you know potentially children in a lot of iraq situations but anyway um i used to actually treat a lot of um, veterans from the vietnam war era mm. and what would end up happening is they would come home get a job and basically become a workaholic for the next 25 years and then as soon as they retired all their symptoms came back because they had too much time to think about it they had too much time to think about it and they'd Mm -hmm. never dealt with it and so working um was a way for them to avoid their symptoms um so that happens a lot yeah and people that just downplay their symptoms in general even while they're in the military because they don't want to be discharged or oh. they don't they don't want to be sent back they don't want to be a failure to their unit yeah oh sure well that makes sense high in college one of my roommates uh senior year he was going back on like the gi bill he mm-hmm. had been uh tipped the spear going into iraq he's a marine and i know he was telling us a couple of times like he came back and he just got really heavy into drinking mm-hmm. just to try and deal with that. Yep. And then finally one day for him, luckily enough, he turned it around. He just quit. He started running. He started getting back in shape. Mm-hmm. And he was able to yeah, deal with it. Pick up those pieces. Yeah. And yeah. you see that a lot with um, the younger generations. So like Iraq and mm-hmm. Afghanistan, you see a lot of people that use alcohol in excess mm-hmm. just because it's a way to numb the pain. Yeah. Psychologically. Yeah. Is it something you can get over on your own, do you think? Um, Typically? For post-traumatic stress disorder, you you can. And one of the things that I tell veterans upon their return or after they've had a traumatic experience is that 94% of people who experience that same thing will have symptoms of PTSD. Mm. Um, but the difference is, is that six-month period after that traumatic event is if those symptoms linger, mm-hmm. then that's when it becomes a problem. Oh. So there are ways to get over it, and time is usually going to be your biggest ally in that mm-hmm. respect. But um, there's there's a lot of different ways to get over it. And I don't want to say that you know psychotherapy mm-hmm. or drugs are the only ways to do it. Um, but I think it's hard to do it on your own when you don't have your family support and you're not willing to tell anybody in your life that you're struggling. Sure. Well, and, you know, I think... Putting that together with something I heard on, um, I think it was the NPR TED Radio Hour podcast. They were talking about, like, family units, basically. And they talked about how in the military you have these small clans of people. And, like, that's kind of how humans were made to be. Mm -hmm. We're in these small clans. And we don't quite have that anymore. Community. Community. And that's why a lot of people in the military would go back at any point you know it's like would you go back to that unit yeah why to be with them mm-hmm. they hate war they hate all of that right but they the love camaraderie the is, camaraderie it's just and so powerful and yeah i mean if they have a breakdown in combat if you can get them back i would imagine that that would really mm-hmm. help because they're back with their family 
It can be, but it's not always. Okay. Because then you're dealing with family members that have no idea what you've been through. They mm. have no idea what it's like over there. And that's why a lot of veterans will come and hang out at the VA during the day just because oh. they want to be around other people that understand. Yeah. How okay. can you understand, though? I mean, I just watch some of these shows on the History Channel, mm -hmm. and I and I get physically sick. And I mm -hmm. think, how can you, unless you were in that environment, ever understand? Right. I don't yeah. think we can. No, and and even as a psychologist, when I'm working with them, I tell them I I do not understand what it's like. I have not been in war, and I don't understand. But what can you tell me that will help me understand? Sure. Um, and that sometimes just acknowledging that you're not. I'm not going to be able to understand, but having those veterans, and that's when I've done um, group therapy, it's so, so powerful. And I tell them mm -hmm. that. I say, you know, I'm a psychologist, and I have formal training on how to cure this type of issue, but I don't have the military experience, and that's what everybody in this room sitting around you has. Mm -hmm. And okay. you need to look to them for support, too, because they understand. And they help each other. Sure. Yeah. I love that. Sure. You know, just to bring it back around with mm -hmm. Sidney Friedman, mm -hmm. I think we see that a lot in the Hawkeye episodes. When we see him come in to treat Hawkeye, I mean, it's not in a group setting, but it's always, he's saying, okay, well, what about this? Tell me about that. Or it's mm -hmm. around the poker table. Yeah. Or, right. uh, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. it doesn't, yeah. you don't have to be in a formal, mm -hmm. exactly. set in a circle. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, definitely, like, whenever we see him alone with Hawkeye, it's very much a tell me about what's going on. And he's digging, but he's having it's, Hawkeye bring it out. Yeah, and that's a mm. big, big deal because if you go mm. in too deep, they'll shut off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so you gotta let yeah. them go at their own pace. Yeah. So, but yeah. 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 So, Sidney Friedman. Um, at some point, I would love to get together a whole list of the episodes he was in, but at least one of the links we'll have out on the website, you can actually go into. Sidney Friedman, and you'll see all the link, uh, all the episodes that he's in. He's in them peppered throughout the whole series, which is great, because like in the uh, box set, uh, Mash, Medicine, and Martinis, I think it's it, you know, box set all the episodes, and then the special. He's in the special. Oh, okay. So it's all the main characters that they could get, and Sidney. So I think that kind of points out how important he is to the show is they actually brought main him character. in for a... Yeah, they consider him a main character. Even over somebody like a Nurse Kelly, who is there a lot. Or an Ugly John. Or an Ugly John. <laughs> I yeah. saw that in the, in the credits. Yeah. I was like, Ugly John. Yes. 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 He's, he's an anesthetist. He's a short-term... Uh -huh. Yeah. We only see him in like the first few seasons, because mm -hmm. then they start to really uh, uh, squeeze down the main cast, uh -huh. you know? Like, they get rid of Spear Chucker pretty quick here. They get rid of Ugly John after a couple of seasons. And then all of a sudden, like, we don't see any other doctors other than the main four. <laughs> Even in the operating room, like now, in the episodes... Um, see other doctors. I know you, you see other doctors. You see two or three doctors working on a patient, including an anesthetist. In later seasons, you only see other people when, it, when it's a need for a plot device. Like, oh, look, now we have a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a different one from Resident three episodes. Dentist, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, it happens. But I think that's also a, a, as far as continuity goes, they always have Sydney based out of somewhere else. Right. Which I can understand, because 
mobile army surgical hospital going back to something you said you kind of want to remove them Mm -hmm. remove the men from that situation (laughs) to try and treat them Mm -hmm. even if you are going to put them back Mm -hmm. get them away first Mm -hmm. so yeah so that i think covers sydney covers sydney um so the episodes we should i always forget to do this up front the two episodes we're gonna talk about today are season one episode nine Henry, please come home. And season one, episode ten, I hate a mystery. So again, uh, if you want to watch these before you know we talk about them, go on to Netflix. All the seasons, all the episodes of Mash are out there now. So season one, episode nine, season one, episode ten. Those are the two we're going to talk about today. Uh, Gloria, did you want to give a sure? Henry, please come home. When Colonel Henry Blake it, Blake is transferred to Tokyo, Frank starts um, imposing military discipline on the surgeon, who and he'll do anything. In fact, Frank moved into Henry's office, if you noticed, before he even left. As he was leaving on the truck, Frank was moving all his things in. Um, so the surgeons go to get Henry to come back by pretending that Radar is ill. Um, but when Henry decides that he's going to do surgery, on uh, radar, exploratory radar, surgery. exploratory <laughs> surgery. Radar said he's like, get, get Colonel on the line and well, or the general. It was yeah. yeah radar looks up at uh, Hawkeye and Trapper. He's gonna open me up. <laughs> he's gonna open me up. But then so, Frank comes in and he's saying we so need to do all of this and yeah and he he's so. trying to get Henry to sign all these forms because Frank is all by the book. And Henry's like, no way. This is mine. I did this. I got the 90% um, rate of um, efficiency, efficiency, survival rate, I believe is what they called it. Mm -hmm. And he comes back. Mm -hmm. So that's this episode. We are trying to think of what the theme may have been. Yeah. And I think you actually uh, said it best is that the... In a unit like this, at least for the TV show, and maybe for real life too, um, haven't read the book MASH, so I don't know if it holds up to this, but just kind of the strict army way isn't always the best. Because and that's kind of what we were talking about now with um, Candy, that, mm-hmm. y- you know, it's the community. Mm-hmm. What part of the community? You know, where are you in this community? Where the military way is top down. You're mm-hmm. not talking community at all. Right. Yeah. Where the way this mash was run is mm-hmm. more community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and two in the military, uh, to kind of go on that point, I've had yeah. a lot of uh, clients that have been frustrated because they were enlisted versus officers, and mm-hmm. any officer above them, no matter how little experience they have, mm-hmm. has to take the enlisted has to take order from that officer yeah. so you have you have enlisted that are at about e7s which mm-hmm. is 20 years of experience yeah. and they have to take you know orders from an officer who may have very very little experience doing actual combat situations and do they have a lot of officers that that power goes right to their head and maybe takes advantage um, think? is that where yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um and the other thing too when i was uh working for the va full time i treated a lot of military sexual trauma as well and so Ooh. you get a lot of um commanding officers that 
do let that power go to their head, really? especially over oh, I never female. Even thought of that over female um, officers and enlisted. Yeah. So, you, you know what? I want to swing back to where we were, but off of that point, I mean, we we talked about Hawkeye, and we uh, did a ten cent origin on Hawkeye in, uh, a few episodes ago, and we were talking about how you know he is a womanizer. He's a captain. The nurses are all lieutenants, but. Uh, kind of like in the next episode, we see him kind of corner a nurse, but mm-hmm. he's always respectful about it. I mean, if... <laughs> I did he, slightly notice that when I was yeah. watching the episode, too, it, that there's that womanizing piece. Yeah, which... Um, we called he, him a womanizer with respect. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, he's also a feminist in his real life. Yeah, and Alan Alda is a really big feminist. So mm-hmm. he actually, in his uh, first book, uh, Never Have Your Dog Stuffed, <laughs> he talks about how it was a challenge for him to get into the role of being a womanizer. Ah, I but imagine. Yeah, but you know, you kind of see that. Like, he, he pushes, but then if somebody says no, that's it. It's hands mm-hmm. off, he's done. And that's really true throughout the show, is we, we see that respect, which is really nice to see. Even from <laughs> the serial womanizers like Trapper, who's married. Oh, yeah, and, he's married and has kids. And, and um, Colonel Henry, Henry Blake, who's married. Henry just lives in his own world, though. As long as everything is, I have someone to do my housework, and I can go fishing and don't have to deal with issues. Yeah. Right. And then it's the same as at home. He has like mm-hmm. he loves his wife at home, but he loves his He loves his live in wife, yeah. Leslie. Which we see in this episode. I mean, that's one of the the twists they use to try and pull him back is to get Leslie. Leslie on the phone mm-hmm. and that's then they're talking about, Oh, radar's sick and Oh no, I'm sorry, that's next episode. Yeah. That's next episode. But yeah, you know, we, we see uh no, that's this no, one. No, that's what this one. That's Radar's this one. sick in this one. Goodness. That's how they get him back. Yeah, because there's Leslie saying, actually didn't work. It was radar. No, it was radar, which is interesting. But the um, Colonel Blake and Radar have this very father-son relationship in the series. But um, but yeah, with uh, I think in this episode, as far as the power to your head goes, mm-hmm. we see that with Frank in a big way, you know, and that's. Colonel Blake is always able to keep that in check. Colonel Potter even more so, but in that sense, Colonel Potter is actually U.S. Army. Colonel Blake was drafted. Like Colonel Potter was a World War One, World War Two guy, so he's actual Army. He went to medical school. He became a doctor in the Army, mm-hmm. and he's very GI, but he also understands Commun- that mm-hmm. the community part and that Army, strictly Army, isn't always best with these doctors because they didn't sign up they were drafted they're here but frank having gone through our rotc that's always his big thing and he's and trying a to major oh well yeah that's and <laughs> well margaret's really the one who runs things right. when frank's in charge but well, I, I know you haven't been here for her, but <laughs> margaret was the blonde okay. that we saw tonight with Hot major lips. and Hot lips, and and we always have this running thing um, that we talk about each week. And 
as you noticed tonight, Laura said, oh, oh, Margaret's bun is up. So when she has her bun up in her hair, that means she's military Margaret <laughs> and she is, this is the way things are done. And, mm -hmm. you know, you do them, Frank, because men had more power back then. Right. But when she lets her hair down, she's, oh, General she's Barker, come with me. And more feminine. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And we, so. we see that very much in the later seasons. After Frank leaves, her hair is never up mm -hmm. again never up and she's much more approachable mm -hmm. and much less gi mm. but um yeah you know in this episode definitely see frank try and uh get things ship shape and get mm -hmm. the ship right and he keeps using naval terms <laughs> <laughs> well to play off of that too like yeah. uh you get um when when uh, soldiers retire from the military, mm. they have a lot of difficulty at times because they lack the structure that they had mm. in the military where oh. everything was clean and orderly uh. and there was a structure and a hierarchy and you took orders from X, mm. Y, or Z. And once sure. you're out in the civilian world where no one really is your boss and everyone just kind of does what they want to do. Mm. They clean the latrine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also, they lose patience really easily with just civilians mm. that are walking around doing their own thing. Thing. They're just like, how can you do that? You have no respect for mm -hmm. whatever's going on, no respect for the order of how things go. So you can see it both ways where yeah. people get okay. very attached to the structure. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that plays very well with what we're seeing in this episode. Because, yeah, yeah we, see the, we see Frank trying to impose that order. But, mm -hmm. again, Henry comes back, and the reason that he got that efficiency rating was because he didn't treat it like a strictly army post. Which, I don't know, maybe we kind of see in the comment that he makes when he's rece receiving his citation. And he says, really, Radar's in charge, and he oh, just yeah. uses me as a front. <laughs> but nobody No laughs. laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> but really, that's about what happens, because like, in the next episode, he's snoozing and Hawkeye wakes him up, and he goes, where do I need to sign Radar? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just kind of makes me think also in this episode... Um, because he was at the geisha house and the women were walking mm. all over his back and things. And he said, well, who's going to walk on my back now? And um, Hawkeye said, I'll be glad to walk all over you. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, um, like I normally do, just to point out some people that we see, uh, some interesting things about the episode, we do see... Uh, Hojan again, which again, remember in the pilot, he went off to college in Maine. <laughs> so I don't know if he flunked out or what, but he's back. <laughs> um, we see uh, Spear Chucker, we see Ugly John, uh, we see Ginger, Lieutenant Ginger. Mm -hmm. I don't ever remember her last name. I know that Odessa Cleveland plays her. Uh, Spear Chucker and Lou, uh, Ginger are both black, oh. which is interesting. Um, and like we talked about in another uh, previous episode, they call him Spear Chucker, but it's not a derogatory term. Mm -hmm. He was actually a javelin thrower in college who did really well, and so that nickname stuck. But then they got rid of him because, what was in it? In Korea, there weren't any black surgeons. So they historically got rid of him for the show. For really yeah, that purpose. Yeah. Right. But, um, so we see them. Um... We actually see some uh, a black gentleman in a mask doing the anesthetist thing on one of the tables. 
I've never noticed that going on before, so I don't... He, he never spoke, so he was never credited. Don't know who he is, but I mean, had to be another doctor. Well, right. there are nurse anesthetists. Okay. But I still think they're working under the supervision of a doctor. Yeah, and I think actually um, in that show we come across an episode where there was a male nurse. Well, he was he trained as a nurse, mm-hmm. but then they drafted him as a corpsman, and so he ended up being a sergeant because mm-hmm. they would not commission a man as a uh, nurse. So, and I apologize. So, what nope. year does this this series take place? Um. Well, the eleven year run of this series <laughs> takes place from nineteen fifty 1950 to nineteen fifty three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, You're talking it, early. Yeah. 50s. Yeah. It, early fifties. Yeah. Okay. The show itself lasted three times as long as the entire Korean War, <laughs> and actually, um, if we watch, they have episodes during the series where they do like a new year you know a new year's eve celebration we actually see two or three of those in the first like six seasons of the series so mm-hmm. they were a lot of years added yeah, we, to the war. We, we get pretty deep into the war really quick in the series because i don't think they thought it would last so long that's <laughs> <laughs> most of them don't <laughs> yeah but yeah it you know roughly 50 to 53 is the korean war okay if i'm remembering right but yeah it Kind of um, something you said about having to take orders from anybody, no matter how high up. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it, that's kind of an undercurrent that we see in this show throughout the whole thing. Because like with that male nurse, he had to take orders from all the other nurses. Even though um, during that episode, it's when Winchester is there. He had... Uh, assisted a doctor on an operation where they used a specialized technique of wrapping a nerve in some sort of, I think they call it like tantalum foil, to help it repair. Mm -hmm. But because he was only a corpsman who was mopping the surgery floor, nobody was paying attention to him because of the structure. And, you know, it's like, well, who are you? You're the mop boy. Exactly. Um, we see generals come in and try and order Hawkeye around, but that goes back to the fact that the doctors <laughs> at this mash are not army. <laughs> They're actually regular doctors, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> no, that's no offense to physicians out there. <laughs> but yes, they are, they are regular doctors, not army doctors, and mm-hmm. so that's how they act mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, keep in mind, it, it's basically a sitcom, so that's why. That is kind of, now that I think about it, that's kind of an undercurrent of the show. Yeah, the moral, I I think the moral dilemmas that come up Mm -hmm. with, this is the right thing to do, however, this is not by the book. Yeah, actually, that exact thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, In one episode, it was uh, hemorrhagic fever, I believe, where there are stages of it, and they go through them in the show, where the patient starts out, by being super thirsty, super thirsty. And then all of a sudden the symptoms become where they're just losing fluids. They're urinating so much mm-hmm. where they can't stop. And then they lose so many fluids that they pass into a coma. And if you don't do anything, they die from dehydration. And um, we see this a couple times in and the, the more show. water they gave them... They could the actually they drown got. in their yeah. own fluids because it 
or was yeah, if it? If they're in a coma, they can't do anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it might be the other way around, but it's that sort of thing. And um, the directive is to not administer fluids after like the third stage, and they enter a moral dilemma because they have a bunch of patients who are entering that stage, and they know if they do nothing, they will die. Mm -hmm. If they do something, they're criminally liable and they could be court-martialed yep. for doing it. And Colonel Potter ends up saying, if we do nothing, we know they're going to die. Mm -hmm. If we do something, they might not die. Let's do something. And they basically take um, what today I think would be considered normal IV saline, but they take what they had at the time and dilute it down to like 0.5% point zero five percent which I think is pretty standard today and theirs was a lot more highly salinated and it works you know mm -hmm. they they're able to raise the fluid levels back up the people come out and it works but right. they disobeyed orders to do it mm -hmm. yeah I mean medical <laughs> doctors even even psychologists deal with that same dilemma and I remember when I was in my training um, psychologists have an issue with confidentiality so mm -hmm. normally we can't break that confidentiality only under circum certain circumstances mm -hmm. and we always were told would you rather be um, sued for not helping someone who needed help like if they were suicidal or would you rather be in court because someone broke you broke someone's confidentiality because they may have not been safe mm -hmm. so it's, it's a lot of a lot of medical dilemmas that yeah. go on in ethics. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't envy any medical <laughs> professionals, that Neither. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, any last-minute comments on this episode? We can go on to episode 10. Okay. So that was Henry. Please you come home. Do you want to give us an analysis? Yeah. So uh, episode 10, I Hate a Mystery. Uh, the really short version is things are getting stolen from MASH. And then it gets to the point where Henry Blake has to do something. So he starts searching the entire camp for all the stolen stuff. And they end up finding all of it in Hawkeye's locker, in his foot locker. Well, then Margaret and Frank come in. They want to press charges. Nobody trusts Hawkeye. They all think he did it because he was caught red-handed. And then he hatches this brilliant scheme to have Henry tell the whole camp where they where he's hiding all the stolen goods. They get re-stolen, and um, it ends up being Hojan, uh, who stole it all to... Bring his family home. Yeah, to bribe the border guard so he could bring his family out of the north into the south. And uh, he, Hawkeye does this by saying that he treated all the stolen items with hydrochloric alpha terracin, which is, at this moment, turning the culprit's fingernails blue. And Hojan hides his fingers behind... And everyone her. else looked at their fingers. Yeah. So, a very interesting psychological trick. <laughs> and he gets Hojan to reveal himself that way. Right. Yeah. But, um... Kleptomania, is that a big... <laughs> a big I have, problem? I have not treated kleptomania um, really? prior. No, that's, that's something that a lot of people, I don't think, come... <laughs> forward with <laughs> I suppose yeah. no no they want to hide that right or, right or as they, they don't see it as a problem yeah you oh. know, people if, if sure. they want to get treatment they have to see it as a problem yeah 
Have you ever watched Breaking Bad? I have. The, Breaking Bad is awesome. It is. If you, any of our <laughs> listeners, if you haven't watched it, you totally should. I've never watched it. So. That's, out, that's out there on Netflix too. Great. Um, it's interesting, you know, because it's about like drugs and all that. But the the story, mm. the plot that threads through the whole series is excellent. But that just mm. reminded me of uh, the DEA agent's wife and how. It wasn't her problem. She was a kleptomaniac. It wasn't her problem. It was everybody else's, right. basically. Yeah. Right. And I don't think she ever actually saw treatment. I think mm-hmm. finally it just got to be too much of a hassle to keep stealing, or we just stopped hearing about it in right. the series. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's, One or the other. That's exactly what you see in treatment. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Yeah. And if they don't think they need help. All right then. Then I'm gonna wait around, and you can come back when you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, I Hate a Mystery. So that was... I don't think that there's really a uh, moral hidden in this one, per se. Um, I think, as an interesting footnote, just the fact that you know there was this artificial boundary drawn uh, between the two Koreas, and having to try and sneak people across is a very interesting thing to think about. In another episode we see, in order to try and make sure one of his sons made it, a father sent one off to the north to enlist in the north's army, and one off to the south to enlist in the south's army. And they end up seeing each other when the guy from the north gets captured, and the guy from the south is the MP detaining him. And... Where does family and... You know, what What do you do for family in that situation? Because, you know, really at that point, it was a political line. I mean, it still is, but it was a freshly minted political line that separated the two Koreas. One that none of the Koreans were involved in. It was actually a decision made by the other countries in power at the time. They sat down and said, well, we'll just, you know, cut it right yeah. there. You get that part, you get that part, and... No, none of the native peoples of Korea were consulted about the line. I wonder if the father got both sons back, and if um, they ever... We actually see in the episode that the one son who was captured gets a chance to talk to his brother, and he's taken off to a POW camp, so I think they must okay. in that one. But, you know, in this one, just... I think it's interesting to point that out, because you do get that a lot. It's kind of like in the American Southwest with um, people of Mexican descent, depending on how back that descent goes, they didn't move over the border. The border moved over over them. them. Ah. You know, it's like this border was put in place and all of a sudden you're stuck in North Korea. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, some other interesting things that I saw at least. Something that we see come up time and again. Henry is trying to call attention in the mess tent before uh, they find all the stuff in Hawkeye's footlocker. He's trying to call attention. Nobody is really paying attention to Henry and Radar. (laughs) Just says, I think he actually says 10 hot. (laughs) Everybody shuts up because it's Radar talking. Yeah. One thing I noticed bringing up radar, yeah. is I think, and I'm not absolutely positive because yeah. maybe it came up before, but I think this is the first time we see radar's teddy bear. Oh, is that, that 
Um, it could be. I don't remember talking about it before, but I think this yeah. is the episode where we see the innocence in Radar. Because as that they're searching be. the bunks looking for the stolen articles, stolen articles, they were going around camp to camp and they checked everyone's rooms. And I'm pretty sure that this is the yeah. first time that we see the innocence of Radar I and the teddy bear. I think you're right. Because we had actually talked about um, this previously up until episode like three, four, five. We actually see Radar a couple times like smoking or drinking, doing that. But in the long run of the show, he's a very naive, very... Drinks great knee-high. Yeah. <laughs> he's supposed to be this very childlike character. He mm -hmm. kind of embodies and represents the innocence of all the troops who went over there as boys and came back as men. Mm -hmm. And that's nowhere more embodied than in that teddy bear. Yeah. I will say, too, even that this was my first couple times watching yeah. MASH, I can tell by that character that that is kind of the role that he plays because he has a very childlike demeanor. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, you can see in, um, like, the previous episode when he's Frank's new company clerk where he very much has an opinion about things, but he's still that sort of very innocent character and going forward in the show whenever we see him drink it's something really bad mm -hmm. yeah. right the he has an intuitiveness about him like he he can read um henry blake he can yeah. just read him because he knows him so well so he yeah. predicts things and that's why frank said <laughs> you're not want, gonna predict me <laughs> i don't want this i want this and he hands it to him right and he uh, makes a comment when colonel potter comes um that he hasn't gotten a read on him yet. Right. You know, he's mm -hmm. still trying to figure him out. But when Radar leaves, and there are maybe three episodes that make me cry when I watch MASH. One is um, like. Abyssinia Henry, the last episode of season three. It's when uh, Henry's Henry goes home, but his plane is shot down. It's a very iconic scene. It's been mimicked just, yeah. and used all over because of what it is. Uh, it's very sad and very emotionally powerful. Another one is the final episode of the series because the actors are crying All because right. they know it's over and it's genuine and it's very moving. Um, but the other one is when Radar leaves because he leaves behind his teddy bear, his teddy bear mm. in on Hawkeye's bunk and that's kind of that sign. You know, it's came as a boy and he's leaving as a man and uh get a little yeah yeah, yeah. It's, but, a, it's a very touching episode so i mean I think that's an important thing to point out is we're starting to at this point uh episodes well episode 10 that's the first time we see that where they're really making a conscious effort to make radar oh. into that character mm -hmm. you know and it makes sense too i mean we're Getting to halfway through the se the first season, so we're starting to really see these the people. The characters are developing. Yeah, the characters are developing. They're Into getting their own depth. They're getting the they're depth. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, back to uh, Alan Alda's book, he talks about it where it took him a while to really get into the shoes of Hawkeye. He literally had to put them on and start walking in them to try and get a sense of who this guy was. But then by season two, he's there. Mm -hmm. Um, Father Mulcahy makes a really uh, brief, yeah, 
Well, he, he makes a brief, but I think an important appearance because he, um, in another episode with Sidney Friedman, or no, it, it's the uh, one where he's writing to Sigmund Freud. Mm -hmm. In one of his letters, he's saying, and Father Mulcahy, with no formal training, acts very much like a therapist. Which makes sense. I mean, he's a spiritual leader mm -hmm. of this camp for everybody across faiths. He tries to look after their spiritual well-being, which is really tied into your mental state. And so uh, we see that kind of start to come out in this episode, too, because Hawkeye is being chased around by Radar, who's supposed to watch him, and he, uh, Hawkeye ducks into Father Mulcahy's tent to get away. And uh, Father Mulcahy is trying to talk to him about, well... You know, I don't really make a judgment of this, but in the Lord's eyes. <laughs> um, and we see him bumble a little bit, which he kind of is, but he also isn't. Father right, McKay, right. He tries to do his best, and he's nervous at it, yeah. I think. Yeah. What... yeah. Is this also the episode where um, they're in the operating room? I think it was last and one. And he wiped his face. And on. Hawkeye wiped his face. Anyway, I can help. <laughs> on Father Mulcahy, yeah. But That's the part I thought you were talking about. When, no, yeah. but yeah, okay. Father Mulcahy, we actually see his tent for the first time, which is important because we actually see that come back in future episodes, I think. Because, right. again, at this point, Father Mulcahy is not part of the regular cast. Right. He's, He's a, guest a guest star. Him and Klinger, during the first couple seasons, are guest stars. And then they become so popular that they're brought into the main cast. And they end up doing the run of the show. Neither of them leaves. And I just read somewhere about um, the writers of the show, actually, when they were writing, tried to take on the real personalities of the characters as much as they could. Mm -hmm. Rather than the movie characters mm -hmm. from the movie MASH, they looked at who Hawkeye was, who, and, and in their writing... They try to use their personalities more than the characters' personalities. So they could mm -hmm. become who they, their mm -hmm. characters. Yeah, it's yeah. much easier to play. Right. Yeah. Um, I think so that's... So jumping to conclusions is another part of this because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's what they did. Okay, Hawkeye, you're guilty. Mm -hmm. I bet mm -hmm. you see that a lot also yes. where <laughs> people jump to conclusions about mm -hmm. things. You know, how do you deal with something like that? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's probably the number one thing that if uh, if you're a client of mine, you know, I will ask you, are you jumping to conclusions or are you mind reading? Oh, um. <laughs> good question. Mm -hmm. um, because when we jump to conclusions, we have a strong emotional reaction to that. We mm -hmm. think we know what's going on and we don't. We have right. no idea. Just like in this episode, we really didn't know what was going on. <laughs> right. Um, so with my clients, I tend to ask them, okay, what do you know versus what do you think you know? Because what you think you know is going to fill in all the blanks that really we don't have that information. That's you know, That sort of thing is always very interesting to me. Um, I've taken a few courses in my studies in comm theory and a few in psychology just because that's what you get in a liberal arts education. Right, right. But just that idea of what your senses record versus mm -hmm. what you can actually get out of them. Right. It's your interpretation that follows that observation. Mm -hmm. So, well, you know, in this episode, you may see all of the belongings were in Hawkeye's locker, but 
So then you make an inference mm-hmm. from that to mm-hmm. say, okay, so therefore it's Hawkeye. Yeah. But uh, that inference in your head becomes reality. Truth. And truth. To yes. you. And that's, yeah. and that's where the problems, I think, in society come. Oh, yeah. A lot of. Because yeah. so many people are doing good. So they think they're doing so good. They want mm-hmm. to change the world with these conclusions that Based they jumped what? on. Yeah. That isn't reality, that, no. but it's their reality. Their reality. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's exactly what I see in therapy and that's what I do with my patients is I try to challenge them and say okay so you're saying this but how do you know that Mm. how do you factually know that what evidence can you present to me that says that that's true yeah other than what you every day of our lives we could go through our days and say how much of that is factual are you angry at that person or right well because as human beings we're designed to make assumptions it's what keeps us survival you Mm. know it, it it's, you know, if you're running away from a bear, you need to figure out, okay, so a bear is probably <laughs> going to go that way, and <laughs> I'm going to go this way, um, because yeah. bears don't like X, Y, or Z. So, but yeah. the problem is, is now from this perspective, where we are in human evolution, mm-hmm. is that we don't have predatory situations where mm-hmm. we need to make inferences about what's going on around us. So we do it to each other. So we do it to each other because that's our real threat. Other people are now our threats. Sure. Psychologically. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Just two things off that. One, I think, you know, looking at this episode, certainly if any of the people in camp had really thought about who Hawkeye was, is he the sort of person who would do this? I think mm. every single one of them would have said no. Except that nurse. Well. That said, I think you did it. <laughs> but I, I, I think, again, I don't think that she was really, you oh, know, okay. thinking about it. I think that was more of a gut reaction because Hawkeye is not the sort of character who would do that. You know, will he will he joke with you? Will he play a practical joke on you? Will mm-hmm. he hit on you if you're a woman? Uh-huh. Right. Yes. But would he steal? No. He will do anything to help you, but he will not steal. Right. Um, but another thing as far as like filling in those gaps, again, uh, the TED Radio Hour from NPR, there's an episode on that where they talk about exactly the sort of human evolution stuff and just bringing uh, TED Talk mm-hmm. people. And that's such a fascinating episode. Because, again, it's so interesting just to get meta about ourselves right <laughs> i mean as a psychologist i agree about that. <laughs> but, but it's 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 like our brain wants to think in a very black or white way we mm-hmm. want to think a plus b equals c mm-hmm. but that's just not how the world works no. and people don't like shades of gray or mm-hmm. not knowing what is the uncertainty about it because mm-hmm. thing when we don't know what's going to happen that makes mm-hmm. us afraid yeah. So it's easier yeah. to make assumptions and guess mm-hmm. because that way we're at least prepared for it. Yeah. Makes oh. last sense to me. Love that <laughs> sort of stuff. Oh my god. Yeah. It, but I'm I'm weird. Cause like, <laughs> if you haven't gotten that already, listeners. Um. But yeah. I mean, like in when I did my math grad work, you know, I only went to master's level. So, but I was always interested in the stuff where it's we can't quite know. But it's kind of like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, that anything along those lines, I just love to learn about because it's it, it it's mind expanding and mind bending, and it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's demonstrably true. All these 
things. Communication theory, psychology. Can't wait to test your daughter and see if she thinks the glass is half full or half empty. It'll be interesting. Gloria is a fan of Piaget's work. Uh, <laughs> laws of conservation. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait to see. Now we're getting off on a <laughs> you know, I don't think any of you mind. Um, I can't wait to watch Ryan grow up and go through all the stages of, mm-hmm. of Piaget's stuff. I did a couple of... Because I also trained as a teacher, and that's big in Oh, yeah, there. absolutely. Right. That's yeah. what a lot of and my yeah, classes are on also. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if I had gone further with my education learning, right? Because, I, again, my master's like math education. But if I had gone further with that, I probably would have done more research into Piaget. But, you know, just kind of in uh, college even, a lot of people don't get past concrete operational thinking. And... It's very interesting as a math person to think about that Mm -hmm. because only when you really, like, your best work in math would come after that. Because concrete operational, as far as math goes, means that you need to be able to kind of see things. Like, Mm -hmm. algebra doesn't make quite as much sense to you if you're in a concrete operational stage, at least as far as I understood it. As if you get to the uh, what's the next one abstract? Uh, yeah, abstract. where you probably came more from the abstract because you started with an art degree. Because <laughs> <laughs> when but. you started out in college, you were going towards that art degree, right? So I'm guessing where you were well, more concrete, you were more abstract. Well, it's kind of the the stages we all progress into right. concrete into okay. concrete operational. But not many people actually get into that abstract. And actually, it was kind of playing on that. Yeah. You see that in these episodes where they're talking about moral and ethical, ethical mm. dilemmas because that's where we defy the distinctions because mm. people who can think in that abstract stage mm-hmm. know the difference you know, morally between right and wrong. And so, like, that example I was giving you where it's like, would I rather have my patient sue me for Mm -hmm. calling the cops on them because they were going to kill themselves or Mm -hmm. because they killed themselves? I would rather be sued for someone's safety, for being sued for the fact that I broke confidentiality. But if someone's in a concrete mode, they just say, well, confidentiality, that's that's the rule. I Mm -hmm. can't break it. That would be what a Catholic priest is stuck in. Yeah, no, same thing. Actually, yeah. they have to. You know, yeah. they can't go to the next step. Mm-hmm. They can't make that choice. It's not well, their. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Frank is kind of <laughs> getting psychological with it. Frank is kind of stuck in that concrete operational mode where everything is very much black and white. Right? It always there is with rules. Frank. Yep. But then you see Hawkeye where everything is a shade of gray, really. Mm. And that that's part of what I love about him is. Now, we get an episode that's coming up, which I absolutely love, um, where there's a man who was beat up by his own unit for being gay. Oh. And he, yeah, he wants to go back. He wants to finish his tour. And he's telling this to Hawkeye, so Hawkeye will sign his release papers so he can go back to the front. And he says to Hawkeye, there are two guys got beat up in my unit. One was black, the other was homosexual. And Hawkeye looks at him and says... Hmm. You a black guy. Who would have known? <laughs> and that's the end of the discussion and they just keep going on. Because yeah. to Hawkeye it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. A human being's a human being. He will operate on anyone, he will help anyone, mm-hmm. regardless right. if he they're didn't enemy. Even ma- mind South Korea, North Korea. No. He didn't care. He's he's beyond that concrete stage of black and white. Mm-hmm. He sees human beings and that's right. part of what I love. 
so much about the Hawkeye character. So. Yeah. yeah. Just a side note too here I mean, yeah. with with homosexuality and just being gay. That was technically considered a mental health disorder until 1971. I know, um, they used to try to fix... Right, well, yeah, and you hear a lot about conversion therapy and things like that, but um, the governing body that works around psychiatry and psychology considered um, homosexuality, being gay, lesbian, or probably transvestite in this <laughs> case, or <laughs> yeah. things like that, that was considered a mental disorder. Um, so it's really, a, I think, a good reflection of the time. Yeah. They, they do a decent job in MASH of keeping historically accurate. They're not always 100%. Um, in the final episode, they do start rattling off numbers about final tallies on casualties and killed. And I've looked them up, and those are off. But <laughs> it does give you a sense of the scope of the conflict. Mm -hmm. So. And an earlier episode that we talked about, um, there was a gentleman getting having surgery, and he was very adamant, do not give me that oh. colored blood. Yeah. You know, and I the. think that happened a lot. You've seen that, well. like, in a lot of the 70s shows where, you know, I don't want that yeah. blood. Mm -hmm. you know? It's a good like reflection of what we see, like, in society at the time. But I think that's changed so much because oh, I don't yeah. even think people think that way anymore. Uh, no. You no. actually still can't donate blood if you are gay or homosexual. Really? Right. No, because I, there's a risk of HIV. Yeah. Um, don't they test I, for that, though? Well, it's just so much of a risk. Like, I donated plasma a lot during college, and one of the questions was, have you ever had sex? If you were a male donor, have you ever had sex with another man? And if you said yes, that You're was out. it. You're out. Because really? of that risk. And it's still there. Yeah. So, I mean, they do test, but <laughs> they just cut it off there. And yeah. But it's not just that. I can't donate because I have rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. So, no, mean, there are other there, reasons, you know, but that one's a very black and white line as yeah. far as that goes. But, okay. yeah. But anyway, now that's a really... Thank you for bringing us back, though. From, <laughs> yeah, right, That was right. a really good time <laughs> back in. So, um, any other comments on these episodes before we get way too far off again. <laughs> yeah, I think you two might want to um, talk about your other podcasts and okay. bring in right. Okay, so yeah, this again, this was Whiskey and Mash. Um, you can Great. find us uh, on your iTunes or on iTunes on your favorite podcast application by searching for Whiskey and Mash or by searching for Gloria Ackerman or Chris Pullman. And if you search for me, you'll likely come across another podcast, Chris Reed's book. That's where I'm reading chapters uh, serially, so from start to finish, of my first book. It's a way to make it more um, consumable for everyone. Mm. And Candy. Audiobook with commentary. Audiobook uh, with commentary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a podcast uh, called Shrink Rappers. So shrink as in like head shrink and <laughs> rappers as in like you're rapping and hip hop rapping. Um, that I host with another psychologist. Um, her name's Dr. Jana Drew, and we talk about psychological concepts related to the public and questions that the public may have about psychotherapy and how it works and what our thoughts are as psychologists. Um, so we, we have a lot of fun making that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for those interested too, I have a website uh, where I can, you, you can get links to that uh, mm -hmm. podcast. So it's www.candaceackerman and that's Candace with an I uh, phd.com 
Uh, and I have a blog on there as well if you're um, curious to hear more about writing. I have a really good series uh, called Confessions of a Psychologist where I answer questions that uh, clients ask me a lot about being a psychologist. So if if people start listening to your podcast and they want to contribute, is there an email or is there a yes. contact form? Yes, you can email me um, and we're also on iTunes. So you can just search uh, for shrink wrappers under iTunes. And uh, if you have any feedback, you can go either to my website and give me feedback, or uh, we have a hosting on uh, Blueberry. Okay. Okay. Well, and thank you so I'm, much. I'm, I'm going to go out and get that. Yeah, and just, I didn't mention this, sorry. Uh, our website, narclanic.com, that's where all my stuff, or our stuff is hosted. Uh, N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. We're not a clan. We're not incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a cool name. It's been repurposed over the years. So, But anyway, if you go there, uh, we also have all the raw MP3 files. So if you don't do the whole podcast thing, but you have an MP3 player, you can get Whiskey and Mash or uh, Chris, uh, Chris Reed's book and download them and listen to them that way. If you want to, If you have any comments or questions about this show, whiskeyandmash at narclanic.com. Is there an, well, you said they could head to your website. Yeah, they head to my website. It's Candace Ackerman, PhD, uh, at gmail.com is where I take email, and then it's .com for the website. So There you go. Well, thank okay. you for uh, coming on. Thank Very you. Well. Thank ending, you for having we me. We always end with a glass clink. Glass clink. Yeah. So, Another one in the whiskey books. and mash. <laughs> whiskey and mash. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Fun to have guests. Every time you come home from Texas, now you're like, oh, my guest. Oh, you can always have me over Skype, too. Oh, well, this is you. I love your comments. Yeah, I think you added a lot of really good texts to this. Yeah. Yes. Usually, he just has me. He just does. Takes some of the heat off, right?